Thank you for checking out the Faith City Church Podcast. We believe that you'll be blessed by today's message. Join with me because we're going to talk about Jesus is all I want. He's all I ever needed. But help me know, help me understand, help me grasp the fact that he's here. Help me understand that he has never left you. He's never leaving you. He's not going anywhere. So this song, it helps me remind me of that. So ready? You're all I want. Come on, lift your voices, church. Say. You're all I ever needed. You're all. You're all I want. Help me know. Help me know you. Now you know it. Sing it out with all your heart. Say, you're all I want. Because you're all I want. Yeah, you're all I need. You're all I ever needed. You're all I want. Help me know you are near. One more time. Come on, sing it. Put your attention upon him, church. So you're all I want. Jesus, you're all I want. And you're all I ever needed. And you're all I want. Help me know. Help me know you are near. Say that again. Help me know you are near. Yeah, help me know you are here. Come on, help me know, help me know. Help me know you are near. Well, Lord, we give the service right back in your hands once again. Lord, I thank you, the Holy Spirit. You're the teacher in this house this morning as we open up our hearts and our minds to an understanding, Lord, that you peel back another layer of your goodness another layer of who you are that we can leave this place with a better understanding of our father a better understanding of me as a son and a daughter Lord I want to know more maybe there's some glimpse that I haven't understood yet Lord I thank you that your Holy Spirit would illuminate it today in the name of Jesus we pray if you agree with that come on shout amen or hallelujah go ahead and high five your neighbor and tell them you're glad they're here Come on, I'm the high five pastor, so. Uh, How many are glad to be in the house today? Man, it is awesome in here. I mean, we've only seen pictures, and so they say a picture's worth a thousand words. And, uh, but being here is a lot different. It's a lot more than a thousand words. And so just seeing the reality of what's happened. And, and uh, if you don't remember in September when you guys moved over or when it was October, um, you're sitting in the miracle. I mean, you're sitting in something that God did for you in your church. You're sitting in, in, a, in a vehicle that God has made for us. And so sometimes it's easy to kind of look past that as we walk in the building and we do things. We say, oh, well, that was great then, but this is now. But wait, sometimes we got to remember you know, what God has done. And we're going to talk about that just a little bit. How many brought your Bibles with me? Come on, let me see. If you got your iPhone and your Bibles, you can follow along in new version. We got the notes up there, but hold your phone or your Bible up. If you got an analog version, which is those, if you don't know what that is, it has papers and you, it's like a book. Okay, there you go, mom. Mom's got the analog version there. So if you're not sure what an analog version looks like, go ahead and ask some of those around you. They'll, they'll show you. My mom's got the analog version too. That's awesome. I'll say, this is my Bible. I am what it says I am. 
Say, I have what it says I have. I can do all that it says I can do. I open my heart to it today, and I'm going to leave this place never the same, never the same, never the same. Now, I believe that. We probably heard that. Maybe other preachers have used it, but I think it's awesome to, to say those things over the word as we speak them into our lives because it's a living word of God that will change you if you let it change you. Open up your Bibles, if you would, to Psalms 119, and I want to start with this. Um, it says, 119.30 says this. It says, the entrance of your word gives light. That's what we're about to do this morning. We're going to open up his word and allow the light of God to, to, to illuminate our lives. How many have ever been camping before? Anybody gone camping yet this summer? Okay, how many know when you go out on a trail, it's much different trying to walk with no flashlight than it is with a flashlight. You're just tripping and stumbling. Maybe you don't see a root or whatever like that, but when you have the light shining upon your path, it makes it much easier, right? That's the Bible for us. The Bible is the, the light to our path. What does that mean? It means it helps me get where I'm going. See, I know where I'm heading. I kind of got an idea. I know the trail's there somewhere. I know God wants me to go this direction, but man, the light will illuminate the path for me a lot easier. And it makes your way easier, simpler, and the burden a lot less than fumbling around and stumbling about trying to figure out where you're going. Because sometimes we hear God and we know, well, I know God told me I'm going here. I know God told me I'm going here. But if we don't continue in his word, guess what? We're We're going without a flashlight. We're going without any kind of illumination because every time I open his word, it opens up a revelation to me in my path. Your path is different than mine. So I can guide you on my path, but that doesn't mean I'm really going to tell you exactly where you're supposed to go. Amen? Uh, Let's go on to Psalms 3, and we sung about it this morning. I've been really focusing upon the last month, um, that verse we sung actually at the last song. It said that Jesus is the lifter of our head. And so we're going to read that in Psalms 3. Psalms 3, David says this. He says, You, O Lord, are a shield around me, my glory, the one who what? Lifts my head. Now, that's kind of a weird saying if you kind of look at it at a glance. We don't really talk that way anymore. But God gave me a revelation of this a while back, and I have a little one. Uh, I have a few little ones, if you noticed, okay? <laughs> um, we're just, you know, multiplying and having fun and all that good stuff, but... But we, uh, we have a, a third little one named Skylar, and um, he's very animated and very passionate about what he wants. And there are times when he gets disappointed. And how many have ever been disappointed, right? Sometimes disappointment, it, and basically disappointment is it didn't go the way I expected. That's what disappointment is. It, anytime you're disappointed in life, it's because you thought it was going to turn out differently. You thought... Man, that restaurant was supposed to be awesome, man. I'm building it up. I'm going to eat this sandwich. They got this beef brisket, and I'm ready. And I get there, and I'm like, oh, what in the world was that? Right? And you're like, Pfft. So you're disappointed because your expectation was not met. Now, same way with God. If we have expectations of what we feel God is going to do for us, or we feel like God's plan is this direction, and it doesn't turn out exactly like I thought, guess what? I get disappointed if I'm not careful. And it happens to us all. We get disappointed. And so my son, well, he'll experience a situation, and he'll go, and he has it in his mind. It's going to be this way, and he's excited. And all you hear in the bedroom is, ah! And you know that he's disappointed. Something went wrong the way he thought it was going to go. 
And so we, we kind of sat him down and, and, and told him a couple things. But one of the things that, that we've learned, I've seen him do things in life, and he'll go through a situation where he's panicked or even scared. Anybody have kids? You have a kid who goes through something, some scary thing, and they don't know that maybe something is minimal or maybe they think a bug's chasing them and they think he's gonna, they're going to die or whatever. Okay? So their circumstances are, they're looking at the world like this. We're looking at it like this. Just like God would. And sometimes in their situation, things appear bigger than they are. So they'll get panicked. And there's been times where my son, I'll I'll see him freaking out, and I'm saying, calm down, calm down. I'm talking to him, and he's just not calming down. And there's been times where I'll grab his face, and I'll lift his head, and I'll say, look at me. Look at me. And all of a sudden, his eyes hit me, and he stops. His whole countenance changes. His whole countenance changes. All of a sudden, he's like, Oh, okay, dad's got, okay, all right, whatever's happening, I've lost sight of it, and now I'm looking at my dad, and it's going to be okay. Isn't that awesome? That's a lesson from God. But he, that's what he gave me revelation of the lifter of my head. He's the, the one who says, look at me. Stop looking around. Look at me, look at me, look at me. Right? And there's times where we face things in life, and we're like, oh, my gosh, what is happening? This is not the way it's supposed to go. I thought my life would be all peaches and cream or apples and whatever you like, okay? (laughs) Whatever. I thought it was going to be different, and now I'm disappointed. God! And we're looking at the things around us, and we forget to look up and see where our help comes from. But then that's when God can, if we allow him, see, my son has to look at me. My son can resist, He can say, I don't want to look at you. I want to look at the fearful situation. I want to be in this. I don't want to look at you. And until he takes the time to change his look and look at me, things will never change in his life. He'll all seem like he's scared. He'll seem like everything's going to hell in a handbasket. Right? But then when he looks at me, he sees it. But you know what didn't happen when Skyler was going through that? I didn't pull him up out of that situation. I did not bring him out already. I didn't change anything around him. Nothing changed but him looking at me. So sometimes we look for God to pull me out of it all. Now, I'm not saying he's not going to do that, but that's not an immediate response every time. So, but it's amazing to me that when I just see what he does and what he wants to do, and I can get my eyes on God and go, wow. Okay. Just like the song. Anybody remember the old song, Turn Your Eyes? Turn your eyes on Jesus, right? Look full, where? In his wonderful face. Look full. That means get your whole attention, man. Get, there he is. Oh, wow. And what? And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Isn't that awesome? I mean, come on, that's... that's that's old school hymn songs, man. Those guys knew how to write, man. They were just like, but th- what did they do? They wrote the revelation. It wasn't about always what sounded good. You know, if anybody knew my dad when he preached, my dad sang whatever he could find, okay? And I love that about him. He would sing just whatever. He's like the Wonder Pets on a cartoon, if you've never seen it. He would. He'd just sing whatever he, he's going through, walking through the yard, all that good stuff. But that's my dad. He was awesome. But let's go. I want to read this similar situation happened to somebody. It happened to Peter. And we're going to go to Matthew chapter 14. Let's look at Peter. He went through something similar to this. Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 22. 
14, verse 22. It says, And straightway Jesus constrained his disciples to get in the ship and go before him to the other side, while he sent the multitudes away. Now, remember what's happening here in Matthew. I want to explain it. They literally, the verse previous, they literally saw 5,000 or more people get fed, okay? Just literally think about it. They're with Jesus, and they, had, they said, hey, man, these people are hungry. And he's like, well, what do you got? Bring it to me. I mean, can you imagine? He fed 5,000 people, and they had leftovers, right? And, and so you think about what they must have experienced. All the disciples go, man, did you see that? That was cool. I mean, how many ever left an awesome miracle service or something that happened, and you're just pumped? And you got to believe they were pumped going into the boat. It's like, oh, cool, man. I wonder what's going to happen next. It's going to be awesome. And so Jesus said, hey, man, i got to wrap some stuff up. Go into the boat. I'll meet you on the other side. So he's going. He sends them away. Um, and he went up to the mountain to pray. And when the evening was come, he was alone. But the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with the waves, and the wind was contrary. And in the fourth night of the watch, the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them, walking on the sea. Say, walking on the sea. Okay, we've heard this story, right? And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were like, oh, no, it's a, it's a ghost, right? Like, Casper's here, man. I don't know what's going on. So they're freaking out, and he's like, wait a minute. He said, no, it's not a ghost. It's me. It's Jesus. Hold on. Settle down, right? They were already freaking out, like, what's going on? It's an aberration or whatever. And so they looked at him. He said, no, it's just me. Don't fear. And Jesus spake to them, saying, be of good cheer. It is I. Don't be afraid. And Peter saw him and answered and said, Lord, if it's really you, bid me to come into the water. And the Lord said, okay, come on out. So he, what does he do? He jumps to ship, man. He's like, yeah, and he's running on the water towards Jesus, right? And he's going along great, running, hey, Jesus. He's, and then he starts going, wait a second. And he feels the wind, and he feels the contrary atmosphere, and he feels the, the, the pressure around him, and all of a sudden he loses sight of Jesus, and he begins to sink. It doesn't say he dunks. It says he begins to sink, right? Slowly, and you got to be, whoa, whoa, whoa. And he's looking around going, and then he says, Jesus, save me. Jesus lifts him up, and he, and he kind of counsels him, and he kind of rebukes him a little. He's like, man, where's your faith? Man, what's going on? What, you know, what are you doubting for? And I got to believe, he's like, I just literally did a miracle in front of you, not hours ago. You know, you know that it's possible when I told you you could come. And you got to feel that, but you got to feel for Peter. The dude jumped out of the boat. I mean, he was like, man, let's do this. The, the, the funny thing I see in this story that God showed me this morning is that he jumped in the, out of the boat in the storm. He knew the storm was there, but he was so focused on, I want to go to Jesus. He didn't even think about the danger or anything about it. And then all of a sudden, he started to look us outside. He caught the peripheral of his life, and he's like, this shouldn't be right. And the devil would lie to him and say, you shouldn't be doing this. See, the devil would lie to you and say, this shouldn't be happening to you. This shouldn't happen in your life. No, it shouldn't, but because of God, I can do things that I couldn't do. Same with Peter. But he got distracted by those circumstances around him. And when circumstances come into your life, we can make a choice, sometimes just a temporary one. We look at the circumstance and we have doubt. Doubt is not lack of faith. Doubt is doubt. There's a difference. Jesus actually talks to his disciples on many occasions. He said, you know, they said, well, we need more faith. He said, you don't need more faith. You need to stop doubting. Because you can have faith of a mustard seed, and you can move a mountain. So it's not the faith that's the issue. We're all given faith. So we all believe that Jesus is there. And it could, but when I start looking at my circumstances saying, maybe I shouldn't or couldn't do this, and I don't see God in it, I doubt. And doubt causes me to shrink back or causes me to sink below where I was supposed to be. 
And I got to come back up because, but how do you do that? You put your eyes on Jesus. We got to come back to who's the author. But I thought it was funny because he came out and he goes back into the, the, the boat and everything's good. And it made me think about it. God showed me this revelation while I was prepping this morning. There are times when I go and I like to, I'm, I'm not a full adrenaline, adrenaline junkie, but I'm a little bit. You know, I don't know if you've got any of those. I know my limitations to a degree. But I like climbing rocks, and I like jumping off stuff that are high and jumping into water and all that. And there's times that I'll be with my kids, and I'll, like in New York, we went to Central Park, and I climb a big rock just to see the view. I'm like, yeah, this is cool. Well, I'm, you know, almost six foot tall. My kids are two feet tall. So when they look up and they go, oh, Dad's on the rock. Dad, 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 Dad. I want to go, I want to go, I want to go. They don't see the rock. They see me. So for them, it was like Peter. He didn't see the storm. He didn't even see the water, really. He's like, Jesus is there. Can I come? I want to go, Dad, 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 take me up. Because somehow they know that if Dad's there, I can somehow get them to the top and pull them to myself. And that if Dad can do it, he can bring me up to that level. And that's amazing to me because my kids know that they, if you were to say, go climb, they're like, I can't do that. That's too big. I'm only this big. Right? I can't, or they'll try, and I can't. But when they saw me, they didn't even think twice about it. Dad, whatever it takes, I'm coming. And that's pretty awesome to me. That's a great revelation of what God says to us. And it gives us the power that if we put our attention on him, with God, all things are possible. Amen? All things are possible. Well, let's turn into James real quick. And I want us to leave this place today. I'm going to give you three things. Uh, three things that will help you hopefully this week in how to keep your eyes on Jesus in Monday morning. Because it's easy when we leave today and go, wow, man, my eyes are on Jesus, and I just worshiped for a half hour, and all I'm thinking about is his goodness and who he is. And then Monday your boss comes in and says, hey, man, I'm thinking about firing you. <laughs> and you're like, what? You're like, when did this happen? And what happens? You're like, my son goes, ah! And all of a sudden we lose sight because our circumstance all of a sudden hit me in the face. And I'm like, what do I do now? Because my circumstance doesn't say what God told me. So I have to know how, and you gotta, how do I keep my eyes on Jesus? How do I keep my eyes on where God wants me to be? So this week or this night, you're going to be visited by three ghosts. No, I'm just kidding. It's something like that. It's, it's very similar, and that's why I always thought it was funny God showed me that. But uh, A Christmas Carol is very similar to what we're talking about. Because number one, one way to keep our eyes on Jesus is to remember your past victories with God. See, David was very great at reminding God of what he'd done before in his life. And David was called a man after God's own heart. David was a screw-up too. David did a lot of messed up stuff. He's like us. He messes up. He falls and falters. But yet God says, he's a man after my own heart. And I'm convinced it's because David knew his God was going to rescue him no matter what. In Psalms 3, please read it this week. He, he talks about the lifter in my head, but he looks about and he says, all the enemies are everywhere. Man, all his, all his friends around him go, man, you're toast, man. This is it. This is the end. You thought it was bad before. Pfft, it's over. And so David starts reminding himself, my God's a rescuer. Wait till you see what he does this time. And he looked up and he saw the enemies. He wasn't denying that they were real. There was real circumstance in his life. But he's like, man, my God's going to come through for me. It's going to be awesome. And so we can do the same thing. We can remind ourselves, though, where did God give you victory in the past? Maybe it was a diagnosis that was bad from the doctor. A diagnosis that, that said, you're not going to make it tomorrow. You're not going to make it past this year. 
and God brought you through that in victory. Maybe it was a bill or a house or something that went through, or you know what I'm saying? Any circumstance you can think of that God, God was there. Look back, and I, and I challenge you to, to go look back at what God has already done in your life. Maybe you're sitting in a miracle of a marriage. You know, like maybe you, maybe you have a kid, a child that you were told you were not going to have. I mean, those are things we can remind ourselves. You know what? God is faithful. He's done it before. He'll do it again. And so even, even like I put up here, that every breath is a gift. See, James 1.17 says this. It says, every good gift comes from the Father. So when you look back at your past and you say, well, that was good. Well, that was good. That means God was there. See, God is not hiding himself from you. He's trying to be evident in your path by saying, hey, if it's good, then I had part in it. I brought it in the way. I brought it to your, to your, to your house. I brought it to where you live. And I was a part of bringing you happiness and bringing good gifts to you. Amen? So number one, we, we, we keep our eyes on Jesus by remembering our past victories. Number two, find your contentment in the present. Find your contentment now. Things may look bad. Things may be feeling bad. Maybe you're like, oh, my gosh, man, it's just getting tired. Find something to say, you know what? God's doing this. God's here somewhere. Maybe it's you just woke up today and you have breath. Maybe, maybe you just woke up and your kid smiled at you. My little baby wakes up, my one-year-old, she smiles and sees me. It brings every glow of light to me. And I thought, man, if anything, she's worth it. So that's one thing I can think. If nothing else, my loving wife is there. I can look at her and say, we got each other, right? Yep, if nothing else. I find contentment. And the, the Bible says this in, in Philippians 4, verse 6 through 7. It says, do not be anxious for anything. But in everything, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request unto God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Jesus. With thanksgiving in every situation... Say, thank you, Lord. No matter what it looks like around me, I'm going to put my eyes on you. There's a way out of here somewhere. Amen. God's got a way out for you. And that brings us to my third one. So first one is remember your past victory. Second one is find contentment in the now or in the, in the present. Number three is the spirit of Christmas future or whatever. No, it's, it's he holds your future. He has your future in his hands. He's got a plan for you. He has not forgotten you. First Corinthians 10 13 says this, it says, no temptation has overtaken you except what is common to man. God is faithful. Say faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. For when you are tempted, he will also provide a way of escape. He says, there's a way out of this. Looking at him, he says, if you look to me, I'll bring you out. Follow me. I'll bring you out. Doesn't mean it's going to be right now. Like I said, we go through storms of life, but it's, it's, we endure it because we're with him. He didn't rescue Pete. He didn't throw him in the boat. He didn't stop the storm until the boat was, he was in the boat. Peter had had the storm all around him. And I, I find it funny. He could have because he stopped the storm. He could have said, all right, stop the storm. Calm down, everybody. All right, get up here, Peter. It's over. No. He said, it's about me and you. It's not about the storms of life. And if we can hold fast to who we love and who loves us and, and God in us, the power he's given us, the authority, it's by him, not us. But if my attention goes elsewhere, guess what? I have no help. I can't help my son when he doesn't look to me. I can't. 
I will never leave my sons or forsake my sons or daughters. But they need to be able to say, Dad, I need help. Dad, what do we do now? What do you think I should do? And I will gladly tell them what they should do. Or I'll gladly lead them out of where they're at. Wherever your kids, you ever had a kid climb a tree and get stuck? They're great at climbing. But man, getting down is a whole other story. I'm like, you got up there. Why aren't you getting down? Right? We all know that. It's easier to get up there than it is to come down. But when they ask for help, it's like, yeah, okay, but it was fun. But can I get down now? And we help them down. We rescue them. But it doesn't change the fact that they're going to climb it again. And we're going to experience life and go through that. So we, he holds our future. And Philippians 1, 6, I love this. It says that he's faithful to start or finish what he starts. It says being confident. Say confident. Who knows what confidence is? Assured, right? We're confident. Man, I'm confident God's going to come through. It says being confident in this very thing, that he which started a good work will perform it until the day of Christ. Look at your neighbor and say, he's not done with me yet. Sometimes you need to look in your mirror and say, he's not done with me yet. Because it feels like God has finished and we're all washed up. And he's saying, eh, you know what? You had your heyday. You had your chance. It's over now. Come on, how many people in the Bible were way older than you were when they even started ministry? Right? And we look at one Abraham, man. He was an old guy. I mean, this guy, and we look at what, what he did. Well, I want to look and show you. He said in Romans 4, 20 and 21, it says this. It says, Abraham staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. Well, that's the key to me. Abraham had some unbelief. He had some doubt. He's like, whoa, God, I'm 90-something years old, man. What's going on? Really? He was looking at a circumstance, right, and going, I don't know. But he staggered not at the promise. He said, but your promise is good, so I'm going to keep going through these doubts and things that happen, and I'm going to get to the promise with your help. But he put his eyes back on God and said, okay, if you say so, then I'm going to go with it. But I love it. It says he staggered not at the promise through his unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able to perform. He holds your future. He is able to perform some awesome things in your life if we'll put our attention back on him. You know what that might mean for you? That might mean I need to open my Bible again and allow the word of God to come in and do some stuff. We can't rely on last year's bread, right? It's just not going to work the same way. The word of God is living. It's for today. It's for this hour. It's for this minute. And God wants to speak to you by the Holy Spirit. And one of the ways he does that is the Holy Spirit leads us into praying and, and reading his word. When we open up his word, it's like, wow, like I said in Psalms, he says it's the entrance of your word gives light. It brings, uh, it's a flashlight to my path. I need that. It tells me where I'm going. It leads me back to where I need to be. It always reminds me of who Christ is. And we can remind ourselves of that in the, in, in the future, saying he's, he's promised me life abundantly, and I want it. I am not going to fall short of it. I am not going to lose ground on it. It's a victory for me. I'm going to stand in the victory God has given me. But you have to do that. You have to remind yourself. You have to say, you know what, I'm going to remember the victories from my past. I'm going to remember God has not failed me before. He won't fail me again. That, you know what, even though things are bad, it could be worse. I'm going to say the present might look not like I planned, so it might be some disappointment in your life. Some of us in our 40s and 50s go through that, and you go, man, I didn't think I was going to be driving this minivan at 40. I thought I was going to have a really cool convertible and hanging out. But for some reason, they don't make convertibles that fit six people. And I don't... I'm waiting for GM to get off their butt, man. Come on. I want a really cool convertible minivan. So, 
I mean, a Jeep's coming close, but, <laughs> but we, 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 we have a chance to remind ourselves of our future, too, that God says, I'm not going to leave you. I wouldn't do that. I'm going to make a way of escape, man. I'm going to make this thing happen for you in your life. Amen? And so we have a chance. So hopefully we'll be reminded when we leave this place today that it's not about doing some kind of step, but more about, okay, what do I do this morning when I'm faced with a circumstance that I'm looking at? When my eyes begin to shift and I look more at my circumstance than God that loves me and the God that's given me power to conquer, and I have to get it back. And it's all about refocusing. We've heard those messages before. But this is three things that we can write down and say, hopefully you wrote it down and say, you know what, I got to remember the victory in my past. I got to remember what's going on, what's good in my life now, and the fact that God never lets me go. And he's faithful to do what he promised. Amen. He's faithful. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord. Let's bow our heads. Lord, we thank you for today. Lord, I love the song, Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies we see, Lord. You are faithful to us. Even when we let go and we take our eyes off you, you're still there saying, I'm waiting. I'm right here to help you. Just call upon me. And so maybe some of us have, have, have done that. And we've all been through doubt. We've all looked at circumstances, you know, some longer than others and say, you know what, I, man, I got to get my eyes back on what God promised me. I got to stand on the, the victory that he did on the cross. He's already given me all authority and all victory. And so I'm not going to let those things slip away. I'm going to guard them. Guard those things with my heart. I'm going to guard the future God has with me, Lord, by reminding me, reminding myself of how awesome you are and that you've got awesome plans for me. And most assuredly, I can say without a doubt that you're not done with me yet. And Lord, I know you're not done with anybody in this room yet. We've got lots of stuff to do, lots of ministry to accomplish, lots of people to sow seeds into, to water seeds of life. And Lord, we give you the praise for it. I don't know anybody, I don't know every single person in this room, and so I don't want to leave this place without offering you a chance to meet my best friend, Jesus, and to give you that chance to come. And I love that he says that we can accept him and be adopted into his family, that we become sons and daughters of God. Somebody said once, while your eyes are closed, somebody said that we're all houses, and we all have houses, and that, that Jesus is outside wanting to come in. But a lot of us, our houses are messy. And so we're, we're okay with opening the door and saying, hey, Jesus, how's it going? And talking to him through the crack of the door. But to truly let him in our house, maybe we're embarrassed to let him in. Maybe we're just not sure. But he's not a bully. He's not going to just charge the door down. He won't do that. He's an awesome God. But he said, if you'll just let me come in and live in you, we can do this together. We can even clean the house together. We can do all those things. He's not waiting for you to clean up your life. Not waiting for you to clean up your house. He just wants to come in and hang out with you. He wants to be a part of your life. And so if you've never done that before, if you've never invited Jesus in, I'm just, you know, nobody's looking around. Just raise your hand if you would. I want to pray with you or for you. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, Lord, right now, if you just... uh Keep your eyes closed, and I want to pray for everybody in this house and pray for Pastor Andy. Lord, we just thank you. Lord, for those, maybe, maybe they weren't raising their hands, or maybe they were. But, Lord, we thank you that they understand by the Holy Spirit they can ask you in any time, invite you into their life, knowing assuredly that you're going to come in and, and, and be with them and, and partake of their life, and you're going to help them accomplish the things that they need to do in their life, and we thank you for it. Lord, I, I call this house blessed. Lord, I thank so much that they allowed me and to grace this platform, Lord. I know it's a, it's a powerful thing to speak into people's lives. And so I thank you, Lord. I'm humbled. 
to be able to speak into people's lives this morning. But Lord, I call this congregation blessed. Lord, I thank you that they can remember the victories of the past, even just six months ago, moving into this building. That Lord, you're not done with this church yet. You're not done with us yet. And Lord, we're gonna keep going. So no matter what circumstances around us, we thank you, Lord, that you make a way of escape. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. For more information about Faith City Church, please go to faithcity.tv. As always, we pray that you would grow in the knowledge and grace of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.